All right, a bit of a spoiler alert here. The inspiration for this episode comes from a new documentary that's on Hulu. It's incredible. You should really check it out. It's called We Work or The Making and Breaking of a $47 Billion Unicorn. Welcome to the Creative Coach Cast. I'm Paul Goldsmith, an entrepreneur and creative coach on the show committed to helping you transform your creative ideas into a reality. If you don't know what a unicorn is, it's a startup company that grows to over a billion dollars. They're pretty rare, hence a unicorn. And WeWork was a super unicorn. I mean, it grew to a $47 billion valuation and then abruptly crashed and burned when it dropped to zero dollars in about six weeks. So I wondered, how does that even happen? And this documentary is unbelievable. (laughs) It did happen. And it was fascinating to me because I used to uh, work out of a shared space, a a co-working space. And I kind of had an eye on WeWork and I thought that's a fascinating business. How does that become worth $47 billion? How does that even happen? Well, (laughs) the short answer is narcissism, extreme ego, greed, While the documentary picks on the eccentric founder of WeWork, Adam Newman, I was way more fascinated by the people around him who let him get away with the crazy behavior. Wealthy investors didn't take an issue with all the alcohol flowing through business meetings. Especially just so strange was none of the other investors or senior management seemed to have an issue with the founder literally changing the definition of words. For example, a common financial metric in business is called EBITDA, which stands for Earnings Before Interest, Taxes, Depreciation, and Amortization. Newman rebranded his EBITDA as Community Adjusted EBITDA and then tweaked the numbers to hide WeWork's massive losses. That's fraud. How does that? I don't even understand. Community-adjusted EBITDA is not a real thing, but serious business people just accepted it because Newman was charming and seemed to be amassing great wealth for the company. Another more humorous example of Newman literally changing the definition of words is when a reporter was interviewing him, they stopped by the coffee bar, Newman ordered a latte and got a cappuccino, and then when the reporter asks about the mix-up, he learns that Newman gets cappuccinos and lattes confused, so the baristas just swapped the names. Easy enough. Well, no, words have meaning, and how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so those things, while funny that you change the name of a cappuccino and latte, it actually is way more significant. Treating people like this will ruin them and can ruin entire companies. As NYU business professor Scott Galloway says in the opening credits of the documentary, if you tell a 30-something-year-old male that he's Jesus Christ, he's inclined to believe you. You remember the Netflix and Hulu both had competing documentaries a couple years ago about the Fire Festival. Founder Billy McFarlane sold tickets in the thousands of dollars, even north of $10,000. And the reason it became you know so well-known is because he sold some to celebrities to a concert festival in the Bahamas that didn't happen. And the sad irony is that he convinced himself and others around him that he could pull off this massive festival on an island in just a matter of weeks. And even when it became obvious to all involved it wasn't going to happen, he kept the fairy tale going. Both the Fire Festival and WeWork were such creative concepts by really brilliant people that could have had much happier endings 
if there was accountability. So egos must be kept in check on all levels, from the financiers, friends, employees. Without accountability and mutual trust, we can't have true community. Did you know in America, only 39% of workers report being actively engaged in their work? And that's actually up from a low of 31% last year, pre-pandemic, according to Gallup. So if 39% are engaged, where does that leave the majority, 61%? Or 61 out of 100 employees are not actively engaged in their work. That is a crisis. Let me offer some help. If you're in the majority of people, you feel disengaged at work, what are you waiting for? And whether it's an ego at the top or there's some other reason that has you less than excited to go to work every day, life is too short to work at a place that bores you or worse, a place that you disdain. We spend over a third of our lives at work and so we owe it to ourselves to spend that time well in a place that we want to be, to be engaged and work at the highest of our abilities. So what are you waiting for? To get laid off or fired or worse, stay employed for years at a place that you don't like? Work was God's idea. I believe it's good. It's right to work and earn a living, but we're in the 21st century, the knowledge economy, and no longer does anyone in the most economically developed countries in the world have to work just for money. Why on earth settle for a job that you don't like and you just do to earn money and to get to the weekend? There's so much more to work than just earning a paycheck. You know, Bain and Company, they research the most important values of people, our deeply held values. It kind of looks like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it goes even more in depth about the things we most value. And at the bottom, most base level, they call it the functional level, It includes making money. Very important, critical. We got to get that covered. But that's just the most basic requirement of a job. It's good when you're in high school, just getting ready for the workforce. But when you get older, there's so much more depth to having a career. It's not just about getting paid. If you're not paid, it's not a job anyway. It's a hobby. So just above the functional level is what they call the emotional level. It includes the fun and rewards, and so any job you do should have a fun factor. As an added bonus to your employer, if you enjoy doing something, you're much more likely to do a better job. But again, fun is only the second level. We have two more levels to go up. The third is the life-changing level. Now we're talking. This is something worth having a job for. It provides a sense of community and belonging and gives you hope. And, you know, the WeWork founder promised community, but when you dig beneath the surface, there wasn't much community at all. It was all a show. That's where the accountability comes in and the sense of true belonging. There is one more level up, the highest point on the pyramid, and that's the social impact level that we all crave. Jobs that reach to the top of this pyramid You not only earn money, have fun, have a sense of belonging, feel a part of a community and something larger than yourself. You feel like you're actually helping society. Think of Tom's shoes. Buy a pair of shoes, you give a pair of shoes to a person in need. That company has that social impact level difference. And those are the kind of companies that I most enjoy helping. We all know too many people that dislike their job. So 
How about we encourage them to do something about it for their own sake and climb up that pyramid? And if you want a visual, I'll post it in the notes of the podcast so you can check that out for yourself. Of course, before you quit your job or encourage someone else to, it's wise to have an exit strategy, a plan. So I would just ask you, what are you good at? What are the things meaningful to you that you would enjoy being a part of a community and the type of people you want to work with and the impact you want to have in society? And then because the time to look for a meaningful job is before you urgently need one just to earn the income. So now is a great time to start looking for that purpose driven work. What are you good at? What's the quickest way for you to do the simplest version of that and get paid for it. That's how you're going to get momentum because we can sit around and dream all day about the perfect, life-changing, goal-satisfying job, but we're never going to get anywhere until we can actually have someone pay us for something. And so you have to test your ideas on check writers as soon as possible. That'll give you confidence. Offer something of value in your area of talent and expertise, and then find a customer as quick as possible. That really is the best advice I can give for you. Before I had two entrepreneurial companies, I had a job and one non-paying client, and then eventually I had one paying client, then two, then three, and now I have two entrepreneurial companies. But it all started with really visualizing where I wanted to be and then go offering incredible value to people that could pay me for that. And eventually they did. If you're not in a purpose-driven company and you're not fully engaged and excited to go to work every day, what's stopping you from finding that ideal company and job? It all starts with visualizing what exactly you want. I think we're told that that doesn't matter, that we've got to get realistic and just earn a paycheck. And that is not true. Just visualize what, where are your talents? What do you want to spend your time doing with what type of people? Who are your people? And who do you want to serve most importantly? Answer those questions and get to work. Find the minimum viable opportunity and go from there. And if you'd like some help or just ask a question, I'm here. I'll be a sounding board. Just text me. The number is 559-574-3210. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coachcast. I hope this has been beneficial. And if you like it, please review it and rate it. That way others can find it. And we'll talk to you next time.